0: Hello and welcome to Carl's interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme. Have been truly inspiring, and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today, I have the utter privilege of being joined by the swimming legend that is Rebecca Adlington. Becky, obviously Olympic gold medalist, former world record holder, multiple medalists across a series of disciplines. Without doubt, one of GB's most successful swimmers. Becky, I've got to ask then, um, obviously you've had this huge success. How did you even get into the sport in the first place?
1: Well, I grew up in Mansfield, which not many people have heard of Mansfield. (laughs) And if you've ever been to Mansfield, you'd know it's not the biggest of towns. There isn't that much going on. Uh, But we have two swimming pools. We've got a football team, Mansfield Town, of course, and all that sort of stuff. But it is very much a case of there wasn't a massive array of sports that you could do. Most people stick to kind of the few. I think it was like that anyway when we were growing up. Like my daughter now so much available to her whereas when I was growing up it was either ballet running or swimming they were kind of like the only three that were really there and my family lived around the uh, corner from the swimming pool like okay. literally walkable we used to walk around every night and stuff so it just became like a family affair I've got two older sisters and both of them couldn't can fully swim obviously by the time I came along and then it just became a thing that I think my parents just thought you know what this is easy because the three love swimming let's just (laughs) take the three there and we all ended up loving it we all joined the club we all kind of just wanted to go swimming my sisters did drop off kind of into those teenage years when like school gets a bit harder and things like that they kind of didn't take it to that next level that I did. But um, otherwise, yeah, we just absolutely loved it in our family. I think it was like holidays, get them in the pool. Any opportunity, birthday party, <laughs> in the pool.
0: <laughs> Do you find it difficult in your teenage years, the balance of schoolwork and the swimming? Because presumably with the talent you were showing, that must have been really hard to make a conscious decision that you had to invest all that time and effort into swimming.
1: Yeah, it was really, really hard. That is the biggest thing parents I think ask me about now, if their child swims, is how do you balance the school? Because swimming is one of those sports you do before school and after school. Yes. Yeah. And it is just like so difficult in that sense because you're up at five AM so you're absolutely shattered in the evening and after you finish training the last thing you want to do is your homework. Yeah. It is it is just really, really tough. Um I actually got glandular fever and post viral fatigue, so I got quite ill. Um when I was about 15 just and I think it was the combination of trying to do your GCSEs trying to do so much schoolwork, as well as obviously the training and things like that so I think it just you have to kind of have that good family. Like my family really helped me. My sisters are very academic compared to me. They are so book smart. Um, <laughs> so it was them that kind of like helped with my homework and really like helped me through that. And I stopped some in um, after my GCSEs. I did uh, stop school, sorry. I didn't actually go on to do uni or anything like that um so I haven't got that under my belt but Beijing came along and I was like okay
0: <laughs> technically you did though because you took a shortcut didn't you you got a degree at the age of 20 from Nottingham so that's a much easier way of doing it
1: i got an honorary
0: degree
1: yeah. <laughs> a much easier way of doing it
0: <laughs> exactly and um okay. so you- in in the early stages then at what stage was it you realized your coaches how did you know that actually you were good enough to actually really take this forward and make a go of it
1: it's really difficult in swimming because I think most people think you have some sort of talent ID system or it's a bit like football where you go into like academies or things Mm -hmm. like that swimming isn't really like that so swimming's because it is such a um participated sport I mean there's thousands of swimming clubs like yeah. so many people swim um and i think because of that i don't think they can fully identify you it is just a case of going through the the normal progression okay. the rankings so it is just a case of um i got some qualifying times to make like nationals or things like that and you just go to them and then you kind of like oh I made the final and then next time <laughs> it's like oh I got a medal and then next time it's like oh I won my age group and it just kind of <laughs> it naturally goes through those steps it isn't like yeah. you kind of get selected or you get picked or somebody goes oh she's got talent or anything like that I think us as well there is such a high drop-off rate in swimming like so many people Around kind of those GCSE years, drop out of the sport. So even if you are showing massive amount of potential at twelve, it is actually quite rare that you carry that on. Just because they do at around that age, it's like schoolwork increases and they want to go to parties and they want to start doing other stuff. So um it's just one of those as well that they kind of haven't got the money to invest in like the junior athletes anyway
0: it's and it's really interesting i've obviously we both have spoken to sharon in the past about her career going through swimming in the the 80s karen pickery and now you but do you think it's still got a long way to go in terms of british swimming and investing in our younger generation or the next generation of swimmers and athletes
1: i think sport is really hard because obviously everyone has taken a hit during covid of course yeah
0: of course yeah this
1: year has just been absolutely mad but especially sport i think like it has changed a lot. Um, a lot of the community grassroots sport I think is going to suffer or has suffered because of this time um, and actually you need that and that's kind of the same in swimming. We need the grassroots and that kind of level to then have a knock-on effect at the elite level. If the If the pools are closing in your local town well then how are they ever going to progress and get to an elite level because nobody's got a chance to swim and unfortunately yeah. there's pools closing all the time I mean I get so many messages being like is there anything you can do while local pool- pools closing and I was like I wish I could I wish I had that <laughs> amount of power I really do but it's just they're so expensive to run and to look yeah. after and build and everything else it is such a shame and I just think it is so sad that it has to have that investment from the government and we have to start seeing it as a life skill. It isn't just a sport, it's a life skill and it can save your life and you can help save someone else's life at the end of the day. That's kind of how we need to look at it a bit more, especially when we live in this country. I mean, we're surrounded by water all the
0: time. <laughs> we are, the only thing I'd argue is on some of the more northern shores. I'm not so keen on swimming up there. Unfortunately, I'm fairly down south where the water's a little milder. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe. It is a bit cool up here.
0: <laughs> so, um, obviously, I, I think it goes without saying 2008 was for many the way you launch yourself on an absolute global stage. You, you'd won medals and done things before, but that was something else, wasn't it? Yeah. Sort of like, sort of what your build up was going into those Olympics?
1: Beijing was kind of like such a weird one because I was 19. I hadn't really achieved anything if you like um i'd been to a world championships before but hadn't even made a final um so i even though i had made a team i'd never been on a world stage in a final capacity so um it was kind of like I was so unknown only a couple of people in the swimming worlds that I had raced against before kind of knew who I was and I just thought as well at the time I was like brilliant I'm 19 this is a great stepping stone for London Olympics (laughs) that's all I thought and I didn't really think anything of it so just qualifying for the Olympics was absolutely amazing but to then obviously go and come away with two gold medals was a complete surprise um (laughs) Totally surprised. Like, so many people say to me, You must have known. And I'm like, Really, didn't. Even my parents didn't come out for my first race, which was the 400, because they thought she's not going to do anything. <laughs> Even my parents. And it was like, No one expected it. Like, my parents thought that's kind of not Becky's great event. And I thought I could make the final. So I think for that one, it was just such a complete surprise. And the race was such a close race anyway. It could have been anybody's, so it was really open. Um, I guess for the 800, my favourite event, my second event, there was a little bit more pressure. That was my kind of better event that people I think then expected me to win Um, and my parents did actually come out for that one so so that was nice that they thought I could do something in that (laughs) one as well but again going in me and my coach just thought the bronze was up for grabs we thought um, gold and silver were an absolute no-go we thought two of the girls that were the year kind of on that trajectory to get those was just too far ahead of everyone else Um, But they didn't even make the final. So it was just it completely open wide. So, yeah, it was a complete shock.
0: But if if, you achieved an Olympic record in the heats for the 800s in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. But but That must have kind of set you up thinking, yeah, you know, I I might favour reasonably well in the final. Did you think you had more in you, though? Do you think you could go faster at the time?
1: it was really i don't know whether like you can remember in beijing or people watching that can remember in beijing but as in the finals were in the morning and the yeah. heats were in the evening so that was a really weird thing people that kind of aren't involved in sport goes what's the difference And i'm like it <laughs> makes a huge difference trust me when you're so used to that and you naturally race better and faster in an evening yeah. um it's just how your body works you are um and the kind of theme of the of that kind of olympic week in, in swimming was that most people were actually swimming faster in the heats than they were the final my okay. 400 my first event i got the gold in was prime example my time was actually faster in the heats than it was in the final even though that's when i won the gold but it didn't yeah. matter nobody is looking at the time everyone no, no, just no. looks at the medals in the final so i think for me breaking that olympic record and the heat was like amazing but at the same time i kind of just expected in my head to go similar sort of time in the final because yeah, of it, it in the morning. Um, and I remember my coach saying to me, oh, you could possibly break that world record Um and in the final and I just went I don't need to hear that that's just pressure <laughs> I was like la, la 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 I was like a kid I was like don't tell me that um and I just completely put it behind me because I was nowhere near it my personal best time was nowhere near the world record and um, the record was 19 years old so I just thought you know what I'm not gonna get near that so I just kind of put that to the back of my head so then when I did get it, it that was just such a surprise because I think that 800 and knew I'd won that one I was quite a bit far ahead compared to the 400 so it's yeah. kind of like a nice additional surprise because I touched the wall thinking oh my god thank god that pain is over because <laughs> that hurt like crazy yes. but then also knowing that I broke that world record and actually Jenna Evans who was the world record holder yes. was actually in the stands so that was really oh, lovely I got to meet her afterwards and she's an American swimmer and I got to meet her after and she was so lovely. She was tiny. She was absolutely <laughs> tiny compared to me. I mean, I'm five foot ten, so I'm not ginormous, yes. but I am a tall girl. But she was like a little pocket <laughs> rocket. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're teeny and she was just she was really lovely about it as well. And Fantastic. She was just like, I'm so happy to see it go and it was really nice.
0: In fairness, you were what, six months when she originally broke it? So she's had a fair innings of being the world record yeah. holder. Yes. Better to hand over, I'd say.
1: Yeah, 19 years to have a world record is pretty good. I only held mine for
0: five, so she can definitely be happy with 19. And then, so what was it like after the Olympics then? Because to to hit that absolute incredible high and the, the total pinnacle of what you're aiming for, and then it, it continued for a bit as well, didn't it, with obviously the honour degree, the OBE. I mean, talk me through that, the year after Beijing.
1: To be honest, the first five months after Beijing are a complete blur. um, And I can't remember anything because it was just like a whirlwind. It was just I was going here, there and everywhere. Most of the time I didn't know where I was going. I was just like other people I found because I was just I was back in the pool training. Um, I just kind of left other people to kind of like my management and my coach and like my parents. Um, to just kind of deal with everything like I didn't have an agent a manager at first and my mum was like Jerry Maguire she was like in the living room like Becky can't do this (laughs) Becky can't do that we were staying up till like 2am answering as much fan mail as we possibly could like it was just mental and it was just then trying to get back in to training because I only took I think I think I took about three, four weeks off. Okay. Um, but pretty much straight away got back into full training. So it was really difficult. But at the same time, I got to do some unbelievably cool things like I got to go and watch Strictly Come Dancing I got to go to like some like showbiz events and I was just like I felt so uncomfortable I was like Why am I here? this girl
0: from Mansfield
1: just so awkward in a dress and heels going hold on I'm used to a tracksuit like it was just weird but at the same time it was amazing and it really really was and but like I said, I just the training for me was what I needed to get stuck back into. So I kind of gave myself until the Christmas. Um, and then after Christmas, it was like, no, I need to stop everything of that. It was now time to refocus again. Um, there was other things I wanted to achieve after Beijing. It was like I had never been a world record uh, to a world championships and won a medal. I'd never been to a Commonwealth Games. I'd never been to a Europeans. I wanted to kind of achieve the full set. So I wasn't going to do that by continuing those things so I kind of stopped all of that and just really concentrated on my swimming again and did all the things that I wanted to do and obviously London as well
0: it's and, and I'll come on to London in a minute because obviously it is such an important thing we've got to cover it but did you find it handy as well with um the position you're in in terms of having this platform because when i right in 2008 you also came an ambassador for um society yeah, yeah, yeah. because your sister laura so was that really good to have those opportunities to be able to give these other charities a voice through you
1: yeah massively i think it's one of those that you don't ever get into swimming to be famous or to go on telly or to do anything like that Trust <laughs> me, with swimming. but it's one of those that was um just a real honor to be able to then have that sort of voice Um I kind of gave myself the role of being an ambassador for swimming I just created that and just became that myself nobody (laughs) said to me do that but I was like I will promote swimming and then the things that I am passionate about like encephalitis society like that my sister had um it was raising awareness of that because most people I say encephalitis and they go what the hell heck is that then they certainly don't know how to spell it they go what so it's kind of like one of those that for me any sort of awareness that I can bring from whatever platform is just amazing because there are so many incredible charities out there Um, I think I donated pretty much half of my Olympic kit to any charities that contacted me and got in touch I was like can, has becky got anything she could sign i was like yeah here you go and I've, I've still got so i've actually cleared out so obviously in lockdown everyone's had clear yeah. out so i have found a little stack more for charities now so I've, <laughs> I've created this new little pile that i'm like okay i can keep going a little bit and because yeah. i want to be able to give back in that way and i want to be able to promote the sport and talk about swimming as much as i possibly can as well so that's great
0: can you, for those obviously watching this now, watching on catch up, talk through a little bit about what encephalitis is and obviously the tragic circumstances your sister went through, but fortunately came out the other side of.
1: Yeah, so encephalitis is a brain virus um, and it literally starts out as like for my sister, she just had the flu. It was literally that. She was um, just in bed with a cold and her temperature shot through the roof. So my mum phoned the emergency doctor. and He came out and was like, oh, I think she should go to hospital. Um, went to hospital and she was in just a normal ward. They were kind of doing some tests, kind of didn't really understand what was going on. And then my sister just turned around to my mum and said, mum, press the nur- press for the nurse and my mum was like why and she was like mum press for the nurse and then all of a sudden her eyes rolled back in her head she started having a fit um nurses obviously came flooding in and they put her into a induced coma she was in a coma for about five days and wow. um, they had no idea what was wrong with her um a lot of doctors back then because it was this was back in 2005 so yeah. 15 years ago now a lot of the doctors didn't know what it was um it was relatively kind of not new but even doctors kind of misdiagnosed it most yes. of the time it gets misdiagnosed as meningitis yes things like that so for her she was uh, no one knew what was going off and they tra- then transferred her to nottingham a much bigger hospital um and that's where she fully got diagnosed i can remember the doctors saying to us we think she's got encephalitis and we all went the heck is that my mum went away and did so much research and they weren't sure it has a really really high death rate unfortunately um because of that it does get misdiagnosed and because they don't know how to treat it there's no cure for it um so it is one of those unfortunately uh, most of the time people do um die from it so the doctors fully came to us as a family and said unfortunately your your sister isn't going to make it you've got to say your goodbyes um, I actually wow. never went in to go to say goodbye to my sister because my mom and dad really didn't want me to see my sister looking the way she did with all the tubes. They were like, we want you to remember her in yeah. such a brilliant way um and all the happy memories um and i understand now i think that was really hard at the time but i understand for a 15 year old that was probably too much yeah. and luckily she pulled through um luckily i think because she was so young she was 17 she was really healthy um she was really active so i think like just from that she slowly got better and better um Super. now you wouldn't know she had it at all yeah most people don't even know, but we know as a family. um, And even she knows, she kind of like, whether it's tiredness, migraines, whatever it is, she, so short-term memory, she'll put her keys down and go, where are my keys? And I'm like, they're there, Laura. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we all suffer from that every now and then.
0: Yes, minute, so. we do. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah, luckily she's absolutely, She's now a, a school teacher. She's got two little boys. So we're very, very fortunate. And fantastic. being part of the society, I've met so many of their members that just don't have a good enough story. They're, they have lost somebody or somebody yeah. has completely changed personality they're completely dependent on someone else um, so i feel very very fortunate that i can work with the charity and we're very fortunate as a family that laura did pull through
0: no it's lovely here such a positive story and an outcome afterwards as well yeah um, so i said i speak about 2012 um i've got to say, the pressure you must have been undergoing into there Because obviously what you'd achieved in 2008, the success you'd had afterwards, how did it feel in terms of what you felt from those around you, the media, physically going into those home games?
1: I think it was one of those that at the time you just carry on as normal because it's happening to you. So you just kind of like don't realise. And it wasn't until I look back. That I did take certain things on board, probably in a negative way. Um, I remember just if I would only go to the supermarket, for example, be walking around and somebody would go, You're going to get two gold medals again for us? And I was like, yeah, I'll right. try. And it's only because people don't know swimming well enough, which is yeah. totally not their fault. Because most people I'll say, yeah, swim 800 and 814. And they go, what the heck does that mean? Like, it's not <laughs> anyone's fault, but it's just the sport. Um, and I took that on. That was my my interpretation was, oh my gosh, everyone expects me to win two gold medals, where they didn't. People just wanted to wish me good luck, and people just wanted to be like, oh, Becky, we're thinking of you, and we're cheering you on. Whereas I took that on board as, oh my gosh, everyone expects me to win two golds again. Um, And no one, no athlete, and to be fair, no human being puts more pressure on themselves than themselves. Yes. So it was all like just me kind of expecting more and... Me kind of knowing this is a home games, kind of how big that that was, and um, but going into London, I just wasn't the athlete I was four years before, and the 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 sport had changed because a lot of people don't know whether, whether you can remember the super shiny suits. <laughs> that we went through and yeah. all these super shiny area and it had really changed the sport. And it was between those four years of Beijing and London. So the sport had really changed and taken on this really dramatic shift um, and for the 400 it became much more of a sprint um mm-hmm. i didn't have the speed it, you only have to know me to know i don't have any speeds at all like i can't sprint to save my life so the 400 was always going to be a tough toll for me because i didn't have that sprint ability yeah um, so, yeah, for that for that one, to get a bronze medal was absolutely amazing. And, I mean, I only just scraped into the final in eighth place. I only just got in. So, to be thinking, oh, gosh, I'm not even going to make the final, to then making the final, to then getting a bronze medal, that was just hugely just, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I've just got a home Olympic medal and I'm back on the podium. It was just amazing. Um, for the 800, that was a bit of a different story. I'm extremely proud to be back on the podium, don't get me wrong, but the time was just so much slower than I expected. Um, And I know the time doesn't matter as much in an Olympic final because it is more about the place and the medals and everything else. But I just had nothing to give. I, I literally just, from a technical point, I just had got my taper a little bit wrong. My season was too long. And it was just very different being in a race where you've got nothing to give compared to Beijing where you feel absolutely amazing and you've got everything to give. So it was a real battle. But at the same time, I'm just so proud. I didn't give up. I didn't back down. It was hurting so much. And I thought, you know what, I've just got to push through right to the very end because it doesn't matter. I want to give this my all. And I knew it was my last Olympics as well. So I was incredibly emotional after that 800 podium because it was just a build up of four years of emotion. Knowing it was a home Olympics, knowing it was my last Olympics, and just all my friends and family there. And then I had all the crowds, which for summers we're not used to. Summers are used to <laughs> your mum and dad going, Go yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so to have then seventeen thousand people chanting my name yeah. just made me cry even more. And I was like, Guys, you're not <laughs> helping me. I was like, this is so amazing. But it was just incredible to have that home support. We wouldn't have had that. At any other time, and I mean, it's normally USA that we hear or Australia. So <laughs> it was very nice to hear Go Brits, and yeah, London was just amazing for that. The crowd, the volunteers, the venues, it was just amazing.
0: Because one of the questions, I said Karen had had a couple of questions. One of them was looking back now, how do you feel about 2012 growing in mind, what you've been through, and the pressure? And I, I think you've covered that quite well. He said you said about the crying as well, because one of the things Sharon said was the amount of times that she interviewed you, poolside, and it was either tears of joy or some other tears. It felt never been so cried upon.
1: <laughs> yeah Sharon because you go to Sharon first so as soon yeah. as we step out the pool the yeah. BBC is there so Sharon Davis is obviously always the first person that we go to so Sharon gets your raw emotion every time because by the time you're down the line and you've done like 10 or so interviews you've kind of lost a little bit of that <laughs> emotion and you're kind of right it's sinking in and you've kind of got a hold on yourself whereas Sharon just gets ah, every time because it's either like you said happy tears or sad yes. tears and it's like I say, I say to her all the time, like, Sharon, I feel sorry for you, because you just get everyone's, <laughs> like, bleh, as soon as they come out. But that's what you want, isn't it? That is it's, that's it the is, whole point. Yeah. So, and it's lovely for Sharon, because she gets that bond with us all as well. So really she lovely She
0: Yeah. Uh, and she said I've got to ask you about Cadbury's chocolate for races.
1: Cadbury's? Oh, I don't know why. Cadbury, Cadbury's is my favourite chocolate, but I don't know why in races. <laughs>
0: I see, because it was talking to the question, he said, obviously, send, sends a love, and then he said, ask about having chocolate for races and how the Cadburys are going.
1: Oh, I about that. No, I know, know Mark always used, to... Mark, all... Mark Foster always used to have chocolate before he raced, um, but he's a sprinter, so I, d- I think that's... A you little get away easy. with that. Yeah, I always had chocolate to celebrate afterwards, that's for sure. But not necessarily before. I, I used to be a very nervous racer. Like I used to feel so sick I wouldn't be able to eat before. Um, so the thought of eating chocolate before a race, I think I'd be sick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, so when 20, the, the Games had finished, had you you knew you were retiring completely or just weren't going to Rio at that stage?
1: At that stage, I just knew Olympics were a no-go. I knew I didn't have another four years. The only thing that kind of swayed me a bit more was the fact that Glasgow was our Commonwealth Games yeah. in a few years. Um, so to have something back on home soil was a real like, oh, should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? And it was kind of like one of those that I just didn't put the pressure on myself before Olympics to kind of make that decision um, because I didn't need to. I just thought, let's see how I feel kind of after the Olympics. And, I kind of knew it was always going to be a challenge because I don't have the speed of the other girls and I was going to have to move down events. Um, And I thought, I don't think I'm going to be able to achieve the same level. Um, And I just then found I started my own learned swim program and I just much preferred that. I was like, I don't want to get back in the pool. And I think that's when (laughs) I just knew because I was like, every day I wanted to find out more about my learned swim program and work on that rather than go to the pool and, Go training and get up at five a.m. and it was just the right time. It was just yeah, perfect time. Speaking to my coach, he then became the head coach of British Swimming, which he still is. Um, so it was just a natural step because he okay. wanted to progress and move on, and so did I.
0: So that, you, you could have led me nicer into talking about swim stars then. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've heard this in a couple of interviews actually, the Becky way.
1: The Becky Uh, way. uh, Yeah, and how
0: that differs from other people's way of teaching swimming. So, please.
1: To be honest, I'm sure there's many swim schools out there that are exactly the same, that you should just learn to swim in a really fun just amazing way that it is just all about confidence and everything else rather than it's not an Olympic program people think that it's this Olympic program it's really not um, at all and I think it's just I think so many people come to me with horrific learn to swim stories so many people like oh my god I had a really bad experience and oh my god my teacher or oh my gosh I nearly drowned oh my gosh this happened and it's amazing how so many people it's left them scarred and that really shocked me and I thought hold on what is going on here and i i'd spent four years pretty much from beijing to london promoting other people's learn to swim and saying let's learn to swim let's learn to swim and trying to kind of bash down that door of the government going why aren't we getting more people swimming and actually i just thought you know what i need to stop doing that and actually do something about it myself yeah. so creating my own and the statistics around learn to swim are absolutely shocking. I mean, 51% of kids leave school unable to swim in this country. That's 1.1 million kids. And I'm like, we live on an island. We're surrounded by water. That's a lot of children that can't swim. Um, so, I mean, I'm not anywhere near denting that 1.1 million with my own Learn to Swim, that's for sure. But it's just about kind of let's get as many pools utilizing Learn to Swim as possible. Even now, obviously, it took a while for the swimming pools to open after COVID, but it yes. is the most safest sport you can do right now chlorine kills covid that's absolutely proven it's a sanitized (laughs) environment so it's only the changing rooms really but a lot of pools are doing this beach ready um you just kind of like leave in with your towel and you you get changed and everything at home so there is definitely a way ways around it but it's one of those that for me i'm like more the more people that can learn to swim the better because i just think if it saves your life one day it's definitely worth it (laughs)
0: I couldn't agree more. And even you said about those figures. I mean, I I could swim from a young age, but when I was um, first in the army, the amount of young men that were joining there that couldn't swim. And you said about tragic or difficult experiences, the amount of times they were just thrown in, right, you're going to learn to swim now the hard way. I'd also say about the swimming facilities, I just remember traipsing through this disgusting pool of water, trying to get to where the swimming pool was Yeah, that's not there at... anymore, right?
1: <laughs> and it was always full of hair and plastic. Yes,
0: it was, yes. That's what I remember
1: <laughs> from that, was like, oh, and everyone has this thing of
0: Verruca's.
1: Yeah. I've never had a varuka in my whole career, or my whole <laughs> life. I'm 31 and I've never had one. I'm like, I think it's a myth that you get just Verruca's every time you go for a swim. I'm like, you really don't, I promise you. But yeah, it's just they don't have those foot baths there anymore. Luckily, because my old pool used to have that as well, and they are <laughs> absolutely rank. <laughs>
0: I'd, I'd like if you can because another topic that you covered um, very recently, actually, and dare I say brave to come out with was talk about your anxiety and experience with mental health. It's it's something that's still, and I completely agree with the message you put out that there is still a stigma there. People don't accept or understand there, and I've got to ask. For everything you went through after 2012 with challenges and social media, how did you build up the courage to come out and do that? And then how did you feel afterwards when you told people what you've been through?
1: You know what? It was one of those that it just happened really quickly and really naturally. And for me, it was just I hadn't told anyone. It had been mm-hmm. years, months, everything of not kind of saying anything. Um, and then I, was, I remember walking... Um, with my boyfriend, and it was just before New Year. And we both were like, you're doing that usual thing. Are you do- going to do any New Year's resolutions? I don't know, are you? And like, we were just kind of yeah. just- And I just turned around to him and said, do you know what, I think I'm going to go to therapy. He was like, right. <laughs> okay. And then it was just kind of this bizarre conversation. And I thought, you know what, because I don't... <sighs> for me and i'm not saying this is right because i just think talking to anyone is important no matter Mm -hmm. who it is but i was like for me i didn't want to burden my family i kind of felt like my friends and stuff had enough going on and i just kind of thought i know that they all love me so they'll give me this really like are you okay sort of thing and i was like you know what i'm a swimmer and i'm this like really logical realistic person i'm like no i just need to go kind of sort it so i thought like. A therapist was the best way for me. And I found it much easier talking to somebody that didn't know me than somebody who knew me. Um, And that's just me personally. Obviously, anyone that you can talk to, the the better. Excuse me. And it was one of those that I hadn't even told my parents I was going to therapy. And I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to, like, tell myself. It's easier telling a camera, I find. Yeah. So for me, I just was like, right, I'm just going to put it out my social. And it was just like, I just wanted to make it normal. I just didn't want it to seem like this massive deal. I was just like, I'm off to therapy. And it was just on my story. It wasn't this big thing. And I just wanted it to be as well, like anyone else that's going through it as well, like i'm with you like anyone else that's it's been their new year's resolution as well i'm here with you high five and like we can do this together sort of moment and and then it just became so much easier um over time it it took a couple of months um it was still one of those in the first couple of months if somebody phoned me and was like oh becky can you do this on this day and i was like oh no sorry i can't do that i've got an appointment whereas after a couple of months i was like no sorry i've got therapy then and it became really normal to say yeah I'm going to therapy, but it definitely took a while because most people didn't know how to react to me at the start going, therapy, do I acknowledge it? Do I <laughs> say something? It was this really awkward conversation. And then actually it just came really second nature to say it. And and most people I found were just like, oh, good for you. Like, hope it's going well. And actually became really normal back about it. Yeah. Um, and I think it was that normalizing of it. It's not a yes. big deal. This is part of it. I go to the gym. I would go to the, and go and pick something healthy up from the supermarket so why can 't I do that with my mental health as yeah. well as other sides of my health and stuff? So it just became that um, and then I after about eight months, my panic attacks went. didn't feel like i needed therapy anymore um so kind of stopped but that was a decision that me and my therapist made it wasn't just a case of right i'm done with you (laughs) it kind of took a long time yeah and i know as well that if i ever kind of need that kind of touching base again it isn't a case of that you just shut the door completely you can go back just as like little top-up sessions or kind of if i do feel a bit overwhelmed i can go back at any point so it's kind of nice having that security blanket there as well
0: yeah. And what would you say to anyone that's experienced a similar thing that has actually taken that step? So the New Year's, if you like, the New Year's resolution of therapy, but t- taken that next step to accepting or seeking help. What advice would you give?
1: You know what? I think most people don't need that advice because most people realise, oh, my God, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. It's totally changed me. And the way I think about therapy as well. I now realize it doesn't mean you're weak or there's something wrong with you to go to therapy, it means you are bettering yourself. And you are becoming a better person because of that. Um, and I've just recommended therapy to so many people and they've come back and gone, Oh my gosh, you were right. And even if it's like just something so small, or even if it's just to people, I mean, I've had people reach out to me on social media that have just said, you know what? I have kind of spoken to my friend or my work colleague or my parents or something about this. And it's really helped. And, Most of the time, once you've kind of shared that problem, it seems like it's half the problem it was before. It's kind of like a weight gets lifted off your shoulders. And I think just even if it's just one person, you don't even have to be that close to them, just anyone, that then it's just like, it feels like an absolute relief. Um, So I think more the advice is to somebody that is actually suffering in silence and not saying something like you are not alone. There is definitely whatever it is out there for you, whether it's therapy, a friend, colleague, whatever it is, find that person that you can just open up with. And it doesn't have to be this big thing as well. Like, I don't sit there with my family and go, guys, I need a really big (laughs) heart-to-heart chat. Like, it's just like it's now become a thing that's, like, just in conversation when somebody says, how are you? You go, you know what? I've been feeling a bit anxious lately. And I don't know, just saying it. And then it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that sometimes too. And that's how me and my friends talk now. Me and my friends are like, oh, yeah, I feel a bit anxious today or I feel a bit panicky. And it kind of is so normal. And it's just like saying oh yeah I'm just tired today or just yeah. a
0: little bit like this it's exactly the same <laughs> fantastic yeah. I've seen I've got I want to ask you Karen's second question in a minute but I've seen a friend of mine Sarah's asked you I mean the age you are now it's um what next and um, how do you see yourself in 10 years time in terms of your career because to retire so young obviously you're heavily involved in if, if you like the next generation of swimmers what else is next for you
1: It's one of those that it's kind of like, I don't, when you retire from sport, it's then a case of your life's a bit more of an open book, which I love. It's not as mapped out. I think when you're in sport, it's so short term, long term. goal, And it's so like this. And for me, it's just kind of like the past 10 years since kind of not doing sport. Well, it's only been eight, but the past eight years have have been retiring. I'm kind of like, I've changed so much. I mean, I've got married, I've got divorced, I've had a baby, I've set up my own business. I now go out and do the commentary for swimming and all this sort of stuff. So my life's changed so dramatically that I kind of like that it's a bit more of an open book, but... Yeah, yeah. I'd love to continue with the things that I am doing, which is my Learn to Swim programme. I would love to grow that. So we are denting that million kids a little bit more. Super. um, Getting a bit more support behind that um, as well from a sense of... Yes, it's on the national curriculum, but it's not measured on offset yet. Getting it so Mm -hmm. there is so many now temporary pools or things like that that schools can do if they haven't got a local pool. So carrying on with kind of that initiative um, and just trying to impact swimming in a bigger way. Um, And then obviously still hopefully going out to Olympics. Hopefully Tokyo will happen, but if not, obviously (laughs) Paris, LA. Yeah. um, And going out and doing the commentary for them. And obviously I've got a little one on the way. So growing my own family at the same time.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, and um, Summer's been to some of your classes as well, hasn't she? And done the learner swim program. It's, yes. I can't imagine what that's like in terms of for all the the other coaches, teachers, parents to be your daughter being there. Oh no, it's totally fine <laughs> now. <It's laughs> well, you would hard. be totally fine, but I imagine for others again. Nikki daughter. No, <laughs> totally
1: not. Like, if you saw my daughter's ability, blaster, she's all over the place. She's so cute. Um, she's not going to be a swimmer, that's for sure. But she loves, she absolutely loves it. Um, really, really loves it. And that's just the main thing for me. And I get, because see, I go every single week. It's my local yes. pool where I swim anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it's very, very normal. I know the teachers. They're absolutely lovely. And it's just kind of like, it's super chilled. I'm not one of those pushy parents anyway. (laughs) I'm happy to have half an hour sat down where I'm just like watching. And I'm just like, this is ace.
0: So the next one is another question from Karen. It's, um, I suppose, quite a, a deep, challenging question. Um, she said, um, your daughter's the same age as her. What are your views on women's body image of women and sporting women versus influencers nowadays? And do you think we're doing enough to try and change that image?
1: I think women. Well, first of all, women in sports has massively changed over the past kind of just even from when I was involved, even from London, really, I think it's massively changed. I mean, I remember for London seeing Jess Ennis on the front of magazines and uh, on billboards and things like that and all the advertising stuff and whatever. And I mean, now I see Dina Asher Smith on the cover of stuff which is just amazing and so i do think women's sport has has grown and we have got way more um role models out there etc but i think it still has a long way to go because there is um i see companies using kind of a celeb over an athlete all Mm -hmm. the time and i just think that person's worked really hard their body shape is massively different from somebody who has got there with exercise Um, and with my daughter it's one of those that i really just want to expose her to that as much as possible Mm -hmm. and i want her to watch live sports i want to take her to not just male sport but female sport as well but also see those people on tv i want her to know that you can't do absolutely anything. I want her to grow up being that dreamer that anything is possible yes. um, and seeing that. And with body image, I think, as much as I don't want to, I don't want to niche this to women. I don't know anybody that is 100% confident with their body. Mm. I would love to meet that person because I've never met one. Whether you're a man yeah. or a woman, there is something that every single one of us would change about our bodies. That's natural and that's having insecurities but I think for her for my daughter and for other kids out there, I just want to normalize it I don't filter my pictures on Instagram because I'm really like you know what I'd rather people see me I do have bad skin at times I have my need my roots doing I have cellulite I have stretch marks and I want her to see those things and I'm very conscious about the language I use around her as well I don't go oh, does mummy look fat in this? Or say anything that could be like... super. In a weird way, I kind of want her to know, like, this is normal. I think, I personally think lockdown has helped that.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: Normally, my daughter doesn't see me working out or kind of helping me in the kitchen as much. She helps me bits in an evening, but most of the time, I drop her off at school and then I go to the gym. Whereas actually, lockdown was the first time She full-on learnt about exercise and why I'm doing it. So I am being healthy. So I am looking after my body and stuff. She started doing it with me. (laughs) And she now knows it's part of being healthy and that you have to eat vegetables and that you have to drink water and all this sort of (laughs) stuff. And I just want to give her that lifestyle because then she'll have it forever. And if she gets involved in sport or not, she knows that lifestyle. And don't get me wrong we go and have cake all the time and I've certainly (laughs) in takeaways as well, but it is about that balance, isn't it? You've got to enjoy life and it's about finding that balance that works for you and kind of that sort of stuff. And that's what it's all about for me.
0: Did you have a period after you'd finished swimming where, presumably for a long period, you'd kept an eye on your diet, your fitness regime and you were limited what you to eat? Did you have a bit of a period where you went, right, I am now going to enjoy this properly?
1: Oh my God, I put on so much weight, (laughs) so much weight. It was absolutely ridiculous. I put on like 12 kilograms. It was absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) How how long? Well, it was about six months where I just was like, I don't want to do any exercise. So I retired and I was like, I don't want to look at exercise. And then it was like, I discovered butter and cream and chips and alcohol. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I've never had this before. And I did indulge probably a bit too much, but it was just, my metabolism was still kind of the same. I'm still just as hungry, even though I wasn't doing the exercise. Hmm. Then all of a sudden I ballooned. And then it got to the point where, and I think everyone goes through this. You get to the point where you're like, hold on, I just feel gross now and I'm really <laughs> unfit and I want to do something about it. So yeah, then yeah. I was able to kind of monitor and kind of pull back my weight a little bit. And don't get me wrong, I then put on weight when I got pregnant and gave <laughs> birth. But yeah. I managed to now, I'm always just kind of the similar sort of weight. Yeah. I am one of those people, I do have to watch my weight. I put on weight very easily. Um, that's just our family genes, unfortunately. But <laughs> it is one of those that at the same time i i will indulge as well i have got a very big sweet tooth and it is one of those that i will indulge in that and just i think life's too short to just totally cut all that definitely. i don't want to be a size eight i'm all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i suppose with the life too short thing as well this year uh, you know beyond all years as well it's kind of shown us that that we're to seize those moments enjoy time where we can
1: oh definitely i think we've all learned to slow down haven't we and just enjoy the smaller things in life and yeah it's just that's what this year i think everyone keeps saying how bad this year is and i do agree it's been a very very tough year for whether it's business family people people that have been ill etc but i think it's one of those if anything good has come out of it it's kind of like people are slowing down a lot more and are appreciating appreciating those things so hopefully that is a positive to come out of all of this
0: and if anyone that's either watched this live or um, caught up, wants to know more about um, encephalitis and the charity you're supporting there, wants to know a bit more about your swim stars, where can they find the information?
1: To be fair, they've all got Instagram accounts, so it's all. Like <laughs> encephalitis Society. Everything's
0: there and covered
1: everything is on instagram or whatever and and most of it is on my website anyway i've got all the support to the charities and the stuff that i do on my website as well but um definitely click on encephalitis because if even if you're just then aware of it just raising that awareness is just what most charities want is just that awareness and just kind of it to be in your your mind a little bit um and hey who knows one day if if somebody you do know guess it at least you'll be like oh yeah i remember that and at least then you'll be able to relate a little bit more and that's what it is about
0: fantastic well becky it's been an absolute pleasure to see you. i really you. enjoyed it
1: thank you thank you so much
0: and I, I look forward to hopefully speaking to you again soon at some page in the future
1: yes take, take care, care.
0: Bye. bye and that concludes another interview for the day thank you to each and every one of you for listening and as ever if you have any feedback send it through to me at my instagram handle of fighting underscore the underscore dad